Episode 80, everybody, with ultra runner Sally McRae. And what a fascinating person. Really enjoyed my conversation with Sally. She is uh, full of energy, full of life. You could hear it in her voice. You could hear the passion that she has for not only the great, beautiful sport of ultra running, running through the mountains, but just the passion she has for life. Her, her outlook on life, the way that she handles family and, and relationships and just her outlook with her kids and, and how she's balanced the world of uh, uh, running and ultras with becoming a mother and dealing with some of the adversity it sounds like she's faced in her life. I mean, just a really fascinating person. You could see why brands like Nike want to align with her because uh, she's full of life. She's full of positive energy and she's very motivational and inspirational and uh, you will undoubtedly feel the same way after this next episode. So if you're into running and sports and life, self-improvement, I don't know, just feeling good all in general, then you will absolutely love this next episode with the one and only Sally McRae. The Optimal Life. Hey, how you doing? Good, I'm in my car, sitting in traffic, so this is a great time to talk. <laughs> well, good, I'm glad I caught you at a decent time. How are you feeling? I'm glad you finally caught me. <laughs> I know. You are one of the hardest people to, to uh, lock down. That's what happens when you're always running in those mountains, you know? <laughs> you know, I've been joking. I, it's like, man, I could really use an assistant uh, as, as of late. I just have my hands so many different things and oh goodness I just really appreciate your patience um, oh of course this is the course with everyone <laughs> I'm sure it is I'm sure it is so so what happened you heard you got into a accident yesterday what happened you know I, I face planted on the trails pretty hard <laughs> um, I was doing a, a pretty uh, long hill workout yesterday so um, it turned out to about 17 miles of running, but inside of the running, I had to do um, 30 minutes worth of hill repeat. So, um, so I was halfway into the hill repeat, pretty fatigued, but you know that's part for the course. And I don't even remember tripping. I just was on the ground. I, that's how hard and fast I fell. Um, wow. Thankfully, I was. It was up. It's so funny. I was tripping up, um, but it was on like a massive slab of rock. So I, the worst part was that I banged up something deep inside, like in the muscle area of my hip, like kind of like where my like where the iliopsoas is, the psoas muscle or that area right there. Um, it just it hurts to oh. take a breath. So, That's, so are you by yourself when you're running? Are you by yourself or are you always running with somebody? No, I, I rarely run with people. And this was on local trails, coastal trails. Mm -hmm. They're very similar to like the Marin Headlands. So, you know, at, at any given time, I could I could be in a parking lot or, um, you know, within like a half mile or less. Uh, it's a really very safe very busy trail area and so I'll do a lot of my workouts there um, so how many miles like how many miles were you doing yesterday what's a typical day uh, yesterday was 17 so it was um, no. yeah maybe a, a little <laughs> bit of a longer day I mean somewhat I don't know I guess it's different for everyone but 
Yeah, that's a typical midweek run. Just a little stroll through the neighborhood, 17 miles later. Just a little stroll, I understand. So thank you, first of all, for doing this because uh, I know you're super busy. And I came across I came across you uh, recently. I've, I've, I've been into fitness for pretty much my whole life. Uh, been been into running for uh, quite a few years now. Not 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 anything too serious, but I'm always looking at new challenges. Like, you know, this year I'm going to be running my first half marathon and, and hopefully mar- marathon. And yeah, I just I just like to stay in shape. But I'm I'm really working on the running aspect. And I've just been sitting around on YouTube, and you know how YouTube is. You're going you go down a little rabbit hole once you start going on YouTube. And. Uh, and uh, came across some trail running videos, and I came across you in one of them. And I got to tell you, I became hooked with all these different trail running and mountain videos. And I'm obsessed. I mean, if you saw me, you'd be like, God, this guy needs a life outside of work. I'm just sitting around watching these videos. Uh, so how did you get – so similar probably to your story, there's something that sparks uh, uh, an interest, a curiosity. So tell us a little, if you could, like when, when did this all begin and how did you get into it? Well, I always loved running since the time I was a little girl. It was, some, you know, it was a part of my life in some capacity, whether it was for fitness training or actually as the sport of running. And I started racing when I was – seven years old, just small local races, nothing serious, I, you know, I I wasn't on a, I was never on like a running club team or anything like that, and then by the time I was in high school, I really fell in love with with more of the faster stuff, so I was actually a sprinter, and my my biggest love, though, was soccer, and I had a, a, a dream of becoming a professional soccer player, and this was around the time when women's soccer was just really making a um, a name for itself. You know, it was like the Brandy Chastain and the Mia Hamm and, you know, just, it was such an exciting time and sure. I was so inspired by these women. But also, my older brother played and I, there's five kids in my family and my brother was my hero and I wanted to be just like him and I, I mean, I even cut my hair like super short. Nah. Like, like I, <laughs> I wanted to be a boy when I was a little girl. It was really silly, but um, I wanted to do everything that he did. So I really pursued soccer, and he was a great soccer player. And I remember he got to go to Hawaii with the soccer team, and I was like, I'm going to go to Hawaii with my soccer team. And <laughs> so as I got older, I just really fell in love with soccer. And, you know, soccer actually transfers over to trail running and mountain running really well because – the endurance aspect, I mean, you're running for 90 minutes, and then um, just having, like, the quick feet and, you know, the power and strength that you need in soccer, agility, um, you know, those transferred over really well in the mountains, but anyway, kind of fast-forwarding through soccer, I, I played in college, I played a little bit after college, and when I became an English teacher, I just decided to... I decided... Is someone beeping at you? Is someone honking at you? No, you know what? That was uh, another call was trying to come in. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was going to say, tell them that you're you're busy on a podcast over here. Give <laughs> Cut you some slack. Right? <laughs> um, so I decided to, you know, I've been competitive my entire life. And, you know, I wanted to stay in shape. I, I liked having goals. I never had 
ever stopped training. You know, I and you know my idea of like going to the gym or going for a run, I I always was very serious about it and very purposeful. Uh, and usually my workouts were really long. <laughs> I just loved working out. So sure. I decided to you know train for a marathon and had no idea what I was doing and I did the LA marathon and finished with bloody feet and blisters and loved it. And then I heard about Boston, so my next marathon, I qualified for Boston. And your, your second marathon ever, you already qualified. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. And I, you know, I, I would do one race a year. So, you know, as silly as it sounds, I, I never, like, I never, I never did a 5K, I didn't do a 10K, I've never trained for any of those things. I just loved running for a long time, right. and after I ran Boston, Boston was my third marathon, um, I got pregnant with my daughter, so, you know, it was, I, even to this day, I've, I've never really been like, okay, I'm going to train really hard and, and see what I can do in the marathon, my training was always, like, pretty casual, but I think just because I was a well-trained athlete my entire life, training for something was pretty easy, but I didn't know about programming or, like, peak weeks and, you know, how to get faster. It was just kind of like I went out and I did my best and, um, you know, it was, that was, that was good uh, enough to go to Boston. It was good enough to, That's incredible. you know, just keep, keep me motivated throughout the year. So what, what year was so, that when you had your daughter? I had my daughter in 2006. I ran Boston in 2005. Okay. So, um. Yeah, a, a while ago, and after I had my daughter, um, I decided just to keep running to stay in shape, and so I had her, and six months after I had her, I ran the Marine Corps Marathon, which was so inspiring, um, an awesome marathon in D.C., <clears throat> and then we moved What kind of times were you putting in on these marathons? How fast were you going? Oh, not fast at all. I mean, at like 3.30. No, oh, that's fast for me, so... I mean, I know it's, it's, I guess, like, in marathon world, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like, if, if, you're, if you want to be fast, it's like everyone's going for the sub three, right? Everything's perspective, um, though. Your, your world yeah. that you're, you're used to is so different than the majority, you know? Yeah, you forget. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And I, I mean, that idea of just endurance running as a whole was so, it was new to me. So I thought, oh, cool, 3.30 is good to go to Boston, but then it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, wait, like, this sub-three-hour thing, you know? But I never, um, I think after I had my daughter and we moved back to California, we lived out in D.C. just for a couple years, but we moved back to California to be with family. I didn't want to have to go back to work. I really wanted to be at home and, and raise my my kids, and right. I just decided to, to start my own fitness business. So I kept, you know, I kept running during that time, and I had this fitness business, and, you know, I was, I had all types of, of like, fitness magazines, running magazines, just kind of keeping up with, you know, really my, my industry, and that's really how I discovered um, trail running and ultra running was by reading, and I heard about these 100-mile races and these 50-mile races that were usually done on trails, and I was immediately just hooked by them. I was, like, taken in, kind of like what you were saying in the beginning, like these YouTube videos. So YouTube wasn't huge then. 
Right. Um, I had no videos to go off, but but I, you know, I, I started doing research on the internet, and I started reading any blogs I could find. That's when blogs were, like, super popular. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and then you got, like, the cheesy slideshow pictures, you know, the video slideshows that people used to do. That's right. MySpace. I'm sure there was a MySpace or two in there. Yeah. Yes. So I just really tried to gain as much information as possible. And, you know, after I put my kids to bed at night, I would would go and do research. And I was kind of also curious as to why I was so drawn to them. And I think the biggest thing was uh, realizing how incredible it is that our bodies are capable of running 100 miles. And I've always been a a pretty curious person. I like challenges. Um, and so for me, I was just really drawn by that. Like, wow, what does that feel like to run a hundred miles? And can anybody do that? And, and yeah, you know, like yeah. I, I run a marathon, but like, what would it be like to run 50 miles? So, and, and when you're running these 50 miles too, Sally, it, it's, yeah. there's something different too. Cause the, tell me if you felt the same way. You're used to running these marathons, whether it's the Marine Corps Marathon or the LA Marathon. These are all outdoor, flat, you know, on the cement, yeah. s- street, sidewalk yeah. kind of marathons. And you're when you're doing your research on the internet and you're seeing these people up in the mountains and, and the dirt and the yeah. trails, it was a, there's a something different about it, something yeah, more intriguing I, about it. Yeah, and I think we are, you know, um, I'm not like a, a tree hugger, nature worshiper. I love being in the outdoors, and I'm very grateful for, you know, God's creation and the beauty, and I think that we are naturally inspired when we go up in the mountains, um, when we're we're in somewhere that's just beautiful and raw. Um, I think a part of it, too, is, is kind of disconnecting from everyday life and being in a place where, like, your cell phone doesn't always work, and yeah, yeah. It, it really forces you just to feel yourself it forces you to listen to your breath and and feel your body and feel the strength in your legs I mean it's inspiring so you know I I had a lot of fear when I first started trail running I was very very frightful of animals and um or people you know I just thought you know are there people hiding in the bushes that are going to like abduct me and you know or is there going to be like a bear and so my first ultra uh, I decided to sign up for one when my kids were like only one and three I didn't run on the trails because I was too afraid no kidding but I was, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> okay. and you're running I with a lot of other people I, too I mean obviously you end up losing people over the over the course of time but yeah so, so yeah. you so you didn't run so where do you run when you're not running on the trail so at that time, when I first started um, training, it was 2009, so it was 10 years ago, when I first started training for my first ultra, and I, and because my, my kids were babies, I, you know, I was either pushing them in the jogging stroller, or taking them to the gym with me and running on the treadmill. So about 80, 85% of my training was, was that. And then um, it was like a gift on the weekends. My husband was awesome. He was just like, yeah, like, go get your long run in. So I had my my one day on the weekend. I'd go really early in the morning, and I would run for, you know, three to five hours, depending on what the long run was. 
and um, that's really what I went off of. So, wow. you know, I think I, I went like on a dirt path type, uh, small like nature walk park, you know, that's like bubbling over with people on the weekends, and that was probably the closest thing I got <laughs> to a trail, yeah. but it was, I mean, I would never go to the mountains or like into canyons or on any of the trails that I, that I run on now. It was just, wow. it was so fright, frightening. But, you know, I even since I was a child, it was one of those things where if anything has ever scared me, I, I want to know why and I wanted I wanted to conquer that. And I think in some ways, these ultras, they intrigued me and they immediately made me feel vulnerable and really challenged what I believed of myself and, and my capabilities. Mm-hmm. And I liked, I liked that. Sure, sure. I was going to ask you, you know, you know, everyone's got a different reason for why. Why do you go after it? You kind of just answered that. Your first race was a 50-miler, correct? Your first ultra. Yeah, it was the American River 50. Okay. Uh, the course, course is different from what it is now. I haven't run it, uh, run it since the course has changed. But the first half of it was on a bike path. <laughs> really? Okay, so the first 25 yeah. miles. Yeah, and then, and then we got onto the trails. So mm. that was my first time running on trails. And uh, what was the experience? Well, I mean, as you're going through it, take us through it a little bit. Take us through, you get your first half done. What's that feeling like? And then your second half of the race and with the ups and downs and, and the motions. What are you feeling during the race? And then tell us about your feelings post-race. It's like the Super Bowl yeah. of uh, trail running. Yeah. Go and for it. Keep that yeah. courageousness about you because we lose it as adults. We do. We get so concerned about other people's opinions. We get so so caught up in like our track record and like, well, I failed so many times and you know, I'm just not cut out for this and, and we stop believing. And, and the mediocrity, just you know, willing to accept just just vanilla. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Runner, 
and whoever popped up, I would message them and ask them questions about <laughs> what they need. And um, that's really how I learned. I there wasn't a lot of books out then. There weren't a lot of uh, people like like now who go around and speak and videos and you know you just kind of. I started to learn. Wow, the ultra running community is very friendly, mm-hmm. and all these ultra runners are so kind and lend me their advice. And but there was still a lot I didn't know. So when I started the race, I I definitely ran the first half. I think I did the first half like in three and a half hours. Jeez. Um. Yeah, like three. Which is I super fast. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. I was really fit. I trained pretty hard for it, but I did not know anything about or salt or electrolytes like I had one bottle of Cytomax it was this stuff that um, Ryan Hall and Sarah Hall at the time were were uh, big you know ambassadors of so I was like oh well they use this when they run marathons so I'm going to use it and and I just thought that one bottle I don't know what I was thinking would be good enough for um, 50 miles and so I didn't <laughs> And I think I maybe have, like, one gel. So by the time I got to mile 30, I, oh my, my God. body just started cramping up. And Let I me just like, interrupt you real quick, if you don't mind. Because for, yeah, pe- for people that yeah, don't understand sure. this, you got to go watch the videos on YouTube and see. Because, I don't know, every, what is it, every 10 or 15 miles, typically in, in an ultra race, you've got these, these camp-out destinations where there's food and water and... <laughs> And all these salts and electrolyte, like you said, all this stuff is set up. You're changing clothes when you want to, right? There's a whole thing here. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's actually less than that. On average, you're going to see every every six to eight miles. Six to eight, okay. Like aid stations. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, the longer races, and, I'm, and they'll really warn you, like, hey, it's ten miles before you get to the next aid station, so really double up, but... It's typically six to eight miles. Some ultras will do it even less than that, three to four miles. But yes, you you go in and uh, into these um, typically like pop ups with tables, and most ultras all have about the same thing. So it's like potato chips and Oreos and watermelon and oranges and bananas, and there's some type of electrolyte drink, and you can refill your bottles. And then the race will typically have one or two of those maybe 10 or 12 aid stations will have drop bags and yes. like a special bag that they'll take to these aid stations for you and you can have shoes in it or a shirt or maybe like special food or another bottle um, and then there's also specific aid stations where you can have crew so there might be two or three places where family and friends can go in and they can see you and they can help you if you need anything um, but the goal is, especially if you're racing, is to get in and out of those as, as quickly as possible. And some runners, if they're racing, won't stop at all of them. So um, it really has to do with your strategy and, and what your goal is for the race. So I, because I was racing, I I never ate. I oh, would just fly through these aid stations. I'd fill up water really fast and just keep running. Um, my husband and my, my best friend, my best friend was going to pace me. Um, and then uh, both of our families were out there, so like my kids were all over the place. Um, it was it was awesome. And then at mile thirty, I'm like screaming out in pain because my my legs are locking up, like the worst calf cramping I've ever felt in my life. 
And a runner comes running back to me on the trail, and he's like, when was the last time you had salt or you ate anything? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, are you not eating the food at the aid station? So I was like, no. Like, I, I thought that was from, like, people, like, back in the pack that are just, like... Those are for the losers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He, he, he gave me two salt tablets in my hand and said, at the next aid station, you need to eat something. So, you know, I, I felt at that time I was, I believe, in third place, third or fourth place. Wow. And I, I fell back a few people. I ended up finishing um, in eighth place. And... You know, it was an awesome experience. I loved it so much. I fell in love with it that five weeks later, I ran another ultra, a 50-miler, and then a week after that, I ran another 50. So in the Holy shit. seven weeks, I ran three 50-milers, and I placed pretty well. Um, the, the other two, I placed second place at those, and I just kind of felt like, wow, I think I've found the sport that is very for me but something that I love like I just I loved it I loved the trails I loved the adventure I loved I thought it was so amazing that my body could do this distance so that you got such I, a there was a, there was an emotional and a mental emotional reward to this whole situation like when you completed the first one and, and you're just a few days go by and you're just what, what's the feeling like you know and I think this is same for everybody it doesn't matter if you're finishing first or you're finishing last, it's the idea that you that you endured more than you thought you could. Mm. And I think that's so important just in everyday life is, you know, I lost my mom when I was 17, and I remember so many of my friends at that time and, and just people, like, in my circle were like, I, I could never go through that. I could never, like, I don't know if I could live if I lost my mom. Like, I... I don't know, like, I couldn't get out of bed. And I'm like, but actually you can. Because I used to think the same thing. Like, I, I never knew so much pain than when I had to watch her die. Like, that, you know, there's so many things in our life that it's like you either are forced to go through it or you have the courage to go through it. But the result many times is the same. It's realizing, like, oh, my gosh, you actually are stronger than you've ever given yourself credit for. You are more resilient than you ever believed mm. and it's like who who told who lied to you like who right. made you feel like that you couldn't do that or that it wasn't possible and so if, when we really stop and think about those things so many times they're rooted in pain from our past from other people's opinions or criticisms it's maybe a failure or a letdown that we had um you know years ago that we just then in order to protect ourselves or to not feel that pain again, we just know to not do it again. We know to not try. And for me, I think having been through some really tough things as a child, losing my mom, um, you know, I, I started working very young, too. I had a lot of responsibilities. I grew up really fast. Mm -hmm. I think that the idea of doing stuff that was hard, that was actually also in connection to just like a natural talent that I had, I knew I was a good athlete. Um, it was exciting to me, and it was new, and it and it just challenged me uh, in many different areas of my life. You know, being a mom at that time too, it was it was 
it was hard. I think being a new mom, like my kids were so young, and you know, I definitely had to endure opinions from other parents. They're like, "What are you doing? Oh, I'm you, sure. you don't have time for that. And oh, I'm sure. You must not be a good mom, and your house yeah. must be a wreck, and your husband must be frustrated. You know, yeah. all and all these things come out. You're I'm supposed like, to. They're they're judging you because you're supposed to be sitting around breastfeeding and and you're running the trails yeah. on, on a Saturday yeah, afternoon. Yeah, I I know. Totally. I get it. Yeah. So, um, you know, so there, there is always a season where there's new challenges, there's new battles, there's new questions, there's new opinions, and it was me having to, to just kind of put on my big girl pants and say, all right, you're either going to proceed based on what other people think of you and what you believe, or what you believe in yourself and who you are, and, and, and I just kind of had to do that across the board. I'd be like... This is my family. These are my children. I'm. I love them. I would do anything for them, and I'm going to be the best mom that I can be. But I'm also going to show them, like, just because you become a parent doesn't mean you stop. Doesn't mean life stops. Yes. Yeah, and you stop going after goals, and you stop doing things that are crazy and wild and adventurous and fun. Like, don't ever stop doing that. And I think that, um, you know, as, as time has gone on, this is my my sixth year now as a professional, I realized that, you know, I look back and I think, man, I I would not be where I am today had I listened to, you know, all those opinions and all those criticisms and, and tried to 100. do people pleasing thing, you know? So, and and uh, it, I got to tell you, you probably, and I don't know you obviously personally, but you probably wouldn't be nearly the type of parent that you are because you wouldn't be living out what you really want to do that makes you happy. So yeah. your, your kids are probably getting a better version of you than they could have ever had hoped for. Oh, yeah. I mean, I that's my, my biggest dream for my children. And, you know, in my house, we talk about goals and dreams a lot. Um, we do family dinner most nights of the week, and it's a big deal to me um, because it's our conversation time. One-on-one mm -hmm. uh, -on -one time with my children is a really big deal. I only have two kids, so... Um, you know, I'm really grateful I actually get a lot of time with them one-on-one. -on -one. But talking about dreams and, and also talking about things that are hard, putting in the work, that's just normal conversation in our home. That's beautiful. And it is so fun to be able to align that with my life. They're watching it. They, they get it. And they, they will refer to it. And they talk about it with their friends and their teachers. And... It's just a part of their life and who they are, and that is my goal for them: is that they would always just just do what you love, do what you love for always and always and always, and raise your children to do what they love. And you know, I think that um, you know when I look at my family, it's it's just realizing too we are so unique in the way that we do life, and. You know, I've, I've often, often talked to other moms and, and parents, and they're just like, I don't know how to do it. How do you do it with your kids? Like, how do you do it? And I'm like, well, first and foremost, you have to look at your family for who your family is. And, you know, there's some parents that have children with special needs and some families that have four or five, six children. Um, you know, some families where both parents are working two jobs. And it's realizing you approach you approach it with grace and you realize that there is not a problem. There is there is 
only a situation that needs a solution, and you make it work for how your family functions, not for how somebody else does it. That is so beautiful. That is so true. <laughs> that is so perfectly said, too. Wow, that, that's that's so inspirational. And, uh, and and everyone's got something different. Like you said, do what find, makes you happy. Not, not everyone's going to want to run in the mountains every day. Not everyone's yeah, going to want to yeah. stay. At, not everyone's going to want to either. On the flip side, not everyone's going to want to stay at home and and and, and just you, you know constantly clean and, and spend. You, you got to have a find that balance and find what's right for you. Oh, that's so true. Just find what makes you happy. Yeah, especially for for moms. I have such a big heart for moms, and you know, my mom was very young when she died. She was only forty three, but her whole life, like she had five kids, and she wished that she had more. In fact, she would babysit on top of that. And I, after I had my first child, I was like, what in the world? Like, <laughs> I would never do that, ever, ever. Like, I would go crazy. And my mom, like, that was her passion because she grew up as an only child. Ah, okay. So for her, it was like her whole world was just full of joy because of her children. Sure. And that's all she wanted because to do. Yeah. Her number one thing was that's all she wanted to do. Was to do things around the house. I think I'm losing you. I think I'm losing. You're not running through the mountains right now, are you? Are you running through the mountains as we speak? I'm not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Just making sure. I don't want you getting hurt again. <laughs> so listen, uh, I, I I could hear you, and it's beautiful what you said about parenthood and, and and your mother and your kids, and everyone deserves to do something that different, and and you can't let the critics and the judges get into your head. I've talked about this many times on this podcast. Even you can't let those people get in your heads. Otherwise, you're never going to pursue your dreams. Nobody would. Nobody ever would. Um, so so fast forwarding. 2010 was your first ultra. You've run many ultras since then. You obviously haven't looked back. Your life change has changed quite a bit. So, like over the last five years, what's this is what you do full time? Are you sponsored? What's what's the whole deal? Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know if Uh, we're losing so her. You there? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yes. We should get you that commercial too. Remember that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Am I okay? Yeah, I can hear you.
And then I also ha have started doing more um, public speaking, um, like keynote-type stuff over nice. the years. And that's something I, I really love. So I have been in a lot of different things. Uh, I get contracted to do some really specific um, projects. So I'm on the Nike Run Club app as one of the coaches. I'm a Nike Run Club um, coach, and so I get to do special events and things like that with them. And it's incredible. They'll, they'll bring, yeah, they'll bring me out for like a, a photo shoot or a video shoot, and I, I help with some of the creative directors and producers with making sure the, the models look like true athletes and, um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's fun. There's always something new going on. My... My life is a little crazy, and many times things are, are last minute. I get a lot of last minute requests, like, hey, can you get on a plane in two days? Or, hey, we got a 12-day trip in two weeks, can you go? Oh, my gosh, that's um, amazing. Amazing. You've probably you've, you've seen the world through this whole thing, huh? I have. You know, the, the racing has been actually a childhood dream come true because there is a time in my life where... I told myself I wouldn't get married. I just wanted to travel and see the world. And, um, you know, I've always kind of had that, that wanderlust. But running, uh, you know, trail running has allowed me to see the world. And I race in some of the most beautiful places in, in those particular countries. So it's like I go to these countries, but I'm taken to the most beautiful part of the country, and I get to run in it. Wow, you know? so incredible. Getting, inv getting invited to races is such a it's such a gift but I have an awesome coach too because he has to help me uh, sift through those and or else I'd be racing every month um, <laughs> he grounds me who's your coach Mario Fraioli he's okay. the uh, morning shakeout he has morning shakeout podcast and, and um, newsletter he's the coach to some of the to some pretty um, awesome trail runners like Tim Tolson and EO Wang and mm. um And, and I assume YouTube has been huge for you, huh? YouTube has been good, yeah. You know, my good buddy Billy Yang. Um, yes, that's I, how I found you. Yeah, he's very talented and has put out some incredible films over the years, but he's a, um, a very dear friend of mine. And He's so talented, i got to tell you, Sally, that I became a patron or Patreon or whatever you call it oh, for him. Good. Yeah, I really like his material and... Uh, Actually, I was going to ask you if you had to pick between Billy and Ginger Runner, who, who are you going with? Uh, you know, that's tough because their styles are very different, and I think that's what makes them both so great. Is they really stick to who they are, and they're both fantastic. Cool, like they really are. You know, Ethan's journey has been incredible because he was a big YouTuber long before he was in trail running. And he was doing, like, stand-up comedy and, and improv. Like, I remember going and watching him do improv um, in L.A. <clears throat> he is insanely funny and just very, like, multi-talented and has a big heart. That's interesting because you wouldn't necessarily know that from his videos. That's really interesting. You, you could tell, he, tell he's got a nice personality, but you wouldn't know that he yeah. was doing stand-up comedy by any means. I know. Yeah. He's they're both fantastic. I'm t those two guys, 
Honestly, yeah. their videos are the reason that uh, that I became that I've really become intrigued with this whole sport, and that's how I came across you and all these others that that you've been talking about. Those guys deserve a huge uh, uh, have a huge impact on this whole thing. Yeah, and, and thankfully they do hear that a lot. They get sent some really nice messages, and you know, whenever they're out and about at events or races, they are warm. You know, they're welcomed um, quite warmly, and people will relay those messages to me all the time as well. Just how impacting their their films have been. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's powerful. Storytelling just as a whole is powerful. It's the way we connect as humans. It so, really is. Um, we definitely do. And what, 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 before I let you go shortly, what race are you uh, yeah. are you training for now? So I got invited um, to this race called Mozart 100. It's in Austria. It's on the world tour. Mm. It's 120k, so it's 75 miles. It's a little over 15,000 feet of climbing. Um, that's at the beginning of June. Really excited about it because I've always wanted to run in the Bavarian Alps and. I've never been able to get to Austria, and so I'm just, I'm really excited about it. Uh, that's kind of been the main focus uh, the last month or so is, is gearing up for that race and just trying to get fit and, and um, enduring some long days in, in the mountains. So, oh, I'm uh, sure. Yeah, it's good. So uh, looking into your crystal ball, do you have a, a finish time prediction for us? Yes. You know that one is. I I don't I don't have a, a finishing time just yet. Mm. I would like my goal is to get on the podium. Um, you know, I and to race gunsy. I want to try a couple new things, a couple new strategies. Um, but yeah, my my big goal is to get up on that on the podium and and um, you know I'm. Every year, my goal is to train differently in order to be better, and so we're just doing some different stuff in my training this year, and I've had a different type of build-up and different That's types awesome. of workouts, so I'm just excited to, to see how it all play out, but my biggest race of the year is UCMB, um, Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, which you've probably got a film on that. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, yeah, so this will be my fifth time going back to that race um, I'm in love with that race course running through three different countries um, it's just and it's the biggest race of the year and it brings together just runners from all over the world from over I mean from, uh, well over these, um, are represented there and it's just a big party in Chamonix Valley um, yeah. um, and being able to connect with all of these great trail runners so oh that's amazing that's I'm amazing really Anyone that's listening that we just sparked their interest tonight because we just did 40 minutes of, uh, I'm sure the whole world is now intrigued by this thing. So anyone that's intrigued that's listening, what is your best recommendation? How, how do they get involved in, in this trail running community? You know, my best recommendation is find find a race. If you, if you want to train for a race, find a trace, a race that excites you. Um, the biggest thing with with anything that we do is that you ha you're enthusiastic about it. So, you know, um, if you're one that likes to race, find a race that's going to excite you, that's going to bring you 
get you out of bed every morning and, and, and put in that good hard training. On the other side, you know, I know a lot of runners that love trail running and they, they don't race. It's, you know, on one hand, it's just, you know, it might be too expensive or just time consuming. It just doesn't fit the schedule. But just to be able to get out on the trails is so exciting. And my advice for those of you that are just maybe curious about getting out on the trails is first know and study about the trail system around you because everywhere is different and every trail system has its own type of wildlife and um, remoteness you know some some trail systems are very well marked and have bathrooms other right. feel like you're in the middle of nowhere and there's grizzly bears so um, I that when I first started going on the trails by myself I did a ton of research first, and I learned everything I could about that area, and I carried the right equipment with me. I always have my phone with me. Um, I carry like a little pocket knife or pepper spray, something that would kind of make me feel safe, and, you know, I just, I did it little bits at a time, so sometimes it was 30 minutes on the trail, and then I worked up to an hour on the trail, and really all of that was just gaining confidence. Obviously, if you have the, the um, opportunity to run with someone, that's the absolute best thing you can do is, is run with somebody. But you know what? At the end of the day, approach it as an adventure because it really is. It's exciting. It's fun. It's great to disconnect and to see new places, smell new things, and, you know, trouble well you could uh, listen you could hear the excitement and passion in your voice when it comes to this stuff you have a phenomenal energy you see it in the youtube videos guys you got to go check it out uh you're you're an ambassador of the sport clearly uh you're you're partnered with one of the top brands in the world in nike i mean you've got a lot of great things going on and uh, like I said before, I just really wish you nothing but all the best and, and really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some of your time tonight. Absolutely, Nate. Thank you so much for your time and having me on. Absolutely. And we'll continue to watch you and root for you and uh, best of luck. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Nate. Thanks, Sally. Take care.